Imposter Syndrome is brought to you by Fake Bake, an award-winning company offering premium self-tanning products to help you achieve a stunning, natural-looking color without subjecting your skin to the damages of the sun. Fake Bake believe that you shouldn't have to sacrifice the health of your skin to get a rich, natural bronze. That's why Fake Bake have created revolutionary self-tanning products that contain no parabens. I love Fake Bake because it gives you a flawless tan and you feel and look like a Hollywood superstar, which is fabulous, of course. And in the early days of lockdown, I used it for all my Zoom calls where I looked healthy and glowing. Just go to fakebake.com, check out their fabulous range of products, including Flawless Self-Tan Liquid, the best sunless tanning product for a quick, easy and effective at-home tan. It also features a tropical black coconut scent, which is delicious. I know you'll fall in love with it. Now you can get the best tan without exposing your skin to potential damage. Oh, and you also get a free luxurious mitt that's included too. Just go to fakebake.com and get your glow with Fake Bake and just fake it. Social anxiety syndrome is better known as imposter syndrome, and it's a real thing. It comes in many guises and can be relentless at blindsiding people, and you'd be surprised by who it affects. I'm Nick Eade, and in this series, I'll be speaking to some of the most successful and talented people in the public eye who suffer from what I call imposter syndrome. I recently caught up in quarantine with Andrea McLean, host of Loose Women, and TV star for over 20 years. She's a best-selling author, and this is the last person you'd think would be shy. Hi, Andrea. Thanks for joining me. I wanted to start by asking you how you feel when you attend events, especially with your husband, Nick, who I know is not shy at all. So when I go to things with Nick, my husband, it's a really different experience because Nick is like a showgirl. He <laughs> literally, when you arrive with him, and you know this for yourself, um, he's practically, you know, feather boas and sequins and everything else. And he walks in and everything is fabulous. And he loves, 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 you know, being in a place with loads of interesting people. And he he can walk up to anybody, introduce himself and leave their best as their best friend. And that's just how he is. So when I'm with him, I'm totally fine because I just stand quietly next to him and I kind of enjoy the, the drama of it all. But when I'm by myself, the, the same, it's the same thing. Nothing. I, I can't quite get over the nerves. So what I end up doing is I walk in um, normally grab the first drink that's offered and ha just to have something to hold him in, in my hand and then nine times out of ten I end up finding a nice wall to lean against and I normally find a sympathetic waitress who will keep bringing me canapes and I chat to the waitress more often mm. than I chat to anybody else because I'm too shy to go over and say hello i love it if people come over and talk to me i'm totally fine but i oh i'm not good at small talk and oh all that even now just even thinking about it brings me out in hives oh my god it's it's crazy because obviously you your your career is so front and center and especially like things like loose women obviously anchoring that and yeah. having your opinions out there and all those things it, it's it's crazy to think that you could ever feel like that but I I mean I've I've I'm exactly the same as you like before I met I mean everybody thinks Nick's got the biggest personality and he, lo every, he loves everything life at all the party and yes I am life at all the party because I love 
people but in deep deep down again before i met andy my husband i i use him a lot now as my kind of my my not my, like my, like my main three plus one yeah he's like yeah. my shield he totally is and even i use him to circumnavigate people i really don't want to talk to so i just go move there talk to me now now <laughs> or i'll <laughs> and well the actually, crazy honestly, thing is he... we're both so similar in that yeah. you put you and i on a stage oh to- yeah we can totally fine totally fine and I'm not nervous and I could it's so weird if I'm standing there and I have a job to do I can single people out I can take the Mm. mickey out of them I can keep control of a crowd I can do all that but have me walk in normally and just talk to everyone I can't do it but the weird thing is I I mean I always say to people that that my best uh thing was because I went to drama school and it really taught me because really when you do when you're up on those stages you're performing you're you're being a a different character but um and I suppose in many ways it's the same with you like you probably feel the same way because I'm sure like being a weather girl starting with that that was a bit of performance because you didn't really you hadn't got that experience had you well I was trained before I was put on air because my first job was actually with the weather channel which is this um it's an American channel and so I was sent to Atlanta in America with um uh, I think there were six of us and we were trained by the meteorologists and they even had an on-screen um an on-screen talent division who they they made sure that you had so many hours of meteorological training a day and then they had an on-screen trainer if you like who taught you how to stand how to look at the camera how to phrase things and we weren't even allowed on air for I think it was about two months before we were even allowed to to present any kind of show and when you think about that now no one working in tv really has that kind of training you're normally just thrown in front of a camera and if you're rubbish you lose the job which is Mm. abhorrent because that's like taking a normal person off the street and saying well how do you fancy being a bank manager there you go oh you're really bad at being a bank manager and then you lose a job how are you supposed to know what you're doing No, you're so right. It's crazy. I think that that's always what I felt like. You think, oh my God, can I do it? And you just, you, you, there's nobody tells you yes or no when it comes to television. No one says this is the right way to look at the camera. So I suppose for you, that was really good that you got that training to at least give you the you, the ability. And I suppose in the end, you're teaching people about whether you're telling them something that will change their day. So you have to be really accurate and to the point. Yeah, I mean, I had the, I was trained by the Met Office, so I had the, and obviously I was, you know, I've got a, I've got a degree in history, politics, and international relations. I've, I did, I went back to college after that to to get my journalism qualification, then so I can pick up information quickly. But I also did a lot of, I did drama right the way through my school years and through my college years as well. So. I've always enjoyed being on stage and being someone else. So to me, doing the weather was actually a combination of all of those things. And mm. how I how I presented the weather was I saw it as a story. It had a beginning, a middle and an end. And you just you had bullet points of facts in your head and you made sure that you gave people the facts, but you told a story and made it interesting. And I think that was mm. why I got the job, because I didn't get bogged down by oh my goodness, am I doing this right? I just did it in my own way. And that's all I carried on doing for the 11 years that I ended up doing it. And I felt very relaxed while I was doing it because I wasn't trying to 
be anyone else. What's really fascinating, though, is when I first started doing Loose Women, I, I turned it down at first because I didn't think I could do it. And uh, my agent at the time uh, was furious and said, mm -hmm. yes, you are going to do it. <laughs> and quite right, because I've been there 13 years now. Um, but when I, when I first started, I used to have to pretend that I was Kay Adams. So literally, I'd sit there and I'd think, what would Kay Adams do? She'd do this. Right. Kay Adams would do that. And I just pretended I was someone else. So I, for the, probably the first couple of months, I just acted my way through it. I mm -hmm. acted the role of being an anchor. And then it gradually the nerves went and I bedded in. And then I realized that actually I could do it on my own as myself. And now it's just something that I do without even thinking. It's it's my job and I and I love doing it. But absolutely, I felt that I, that was probably the, the the first time doing a job that I massively felt imposter syndrome because yeah. I didn't think that I had deserved to be there. But I trusted the bosses enough because I thought you've given me the job. You clearly see something that I can't. I'll just have to pretend that I know what I'm doing. Well, I think that's what we all do. We just fake it till we make it, as they say. And actually. In many ways, that's the best best option sometimes. Because I think suddenly, it's the like, only option. It is, I I really, it really is. It is. And, and I, Amy Cuddy, lots of people will have heard of her because she did the famous TED Talk about, basically, it's about faking it until you become it. And um, it's a brilliant TED Talk if anybody wants to go and have a look at it. And basically, she talks about your posture and the way that you stand you can fool your brain into feeling more confident than you really are if you stand straighter with your legs further apart your hands on your hips and and take up more space that can fool your brain into thinking okay she seems pretty confident about this and I think anyone who's done any sort of presentation work where you're on stage or whether it's drama or or, or straightforward presenting you naturally have to pretend through your body language that you are in total control of the room even though inside you're going oh my god nobody's listening what am i gonna do if you showed that then you'd lose the room so i think if you have any of that kind of training behind you it really helps but only when you're on stage for some weird reason i can't walk into a room and go ha ha yes it's i am crazy, isn't it? <laughs> and then you've, you've then you've got your husband who just does the as you say, does that with sequins and a boa. And that's just going into a front room. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what's so interesting? And I think a lot of couples are, are like this. You you tend to choose your yin and yang. Mm, and Nick and I complement each other so well because he is he's flamboyant, he's loud, he's bossy, he commands a lot of space and he makes a lot of noise, whereas I'm a lot quieter. But what's interesting is I'm probably deep down at my core, I'm probably more confident than he is. Yeah, He's probably more it? insecure than I am, which is why he 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 does that posturing, I suppose, where he he fakes it until he feels it. And then he thinks, yeah, yeah, I can do this. Whereas I would rather just stay small within my myself. But when I'm really up against a wall, I know actually deep down I'm I'm strong. I'm very resilient. You know, I've been through an awful lot in my life and I've, you know, you, you fall down, but you always get back up again. And I know that yeah, I've got yeah. that in me. Imposter syndrome is brought to you by Fake Bake. 
fake bait believes that you shouldn't have to sacrifice the health of your skin to get a rich natural bronze tan. That's why Fakebake have created revolutionary self-tanning products that contain no parabens. Just go to fakebake.com to check out their fabulous range of products, including Flawless Self-Tan Liquid, the best sunless tanning product for a quick, easy, and effective at-home tan. Just go to fakebake.com and get your glow with Fakebake and just fake it. But you've done like loads, loads, but quite a few reality shows, which are not just the normal ones. You've done ones which are challenges. So you obviously dance on ice. And then you did the SAS show. Things like that, though, they, because you're having to learn a skill and then you're also presenting yourself in, the, in, in a way as well. Do you, did you find yourself being insecure in those situations or was it quite, were you just like, right, I'm just going to get on with it. It's a challenge and I want to accept it. Well, when I did Dancing on Ice, that was... Um... I did the first ever series of that. So I think that was 14. It must have been 14 years ago because Amy, uh, I got I got pregnant just after that. So, and she's 13 now. So um, that happened so quickly. I basically got a call on a Friday saying, could I start on the Monday to do Dancing on Ice? And it went on air like three weeks later. So I had barely any training. And it, it, the show didn't exist before then. So I had no idea what it was going to be like. So... When I took part in that, I had zero expectations in terms of, I, I, you know, what, what are people going to think of me and, and that sort of thing. But the experience itself wasn't great because my Dancing on Ice partner was going through quite a difficult and challenging time in his life. So he was very angry a lot of the time. And I was in the middle of getting divorced. So I was quite vulnerable. He was quite angry. Um, I didn't enjoy the whole process of learning the routines because every time I thought I was getting it right, he would get cross and then I would get upset. And it was, it was very, very challenging to just keep going and keep smiling. So I wasn't necessarily thinking about um, what are other people think of me. It was more, can I keep going with this as far as I possibly can? But yeah. what was interesting was... I'm so, so grateful and glad that I went through that experience because funny enough, the, the, the dancing on ice partner that I had, um, we, we, we're totally fine. We, we, uh, kept in touch afterwards and he apologized and it was all good. And I'm a nice lady and I was fine. I understood it, but the way I saw it was, it was a challenge rather than worrying about what people thought of me. Um, when I did SAS, that was so different. I was part of the, the first ever group of celebrities to take part in SAS Who Dares Wins. And I was okay. the oldest person ever to have done it. And that's obviously the civilian version and the celebrity version as well. I was 49. And most people mm -hmm. who do SAS Who Dares Wins are normally in their 20s or 30s. And, and a woman. And um, post-hysterectomy. So I was in full surgical menopause, which is a difficult okay. transition for your body to, to, to go through. So, but what I felt doing that, and I should have felt like an imposter because I was literally the oldest person there. Everyone <laughs> else was, you know, young and strong and fit and former Olympians and former athletes and, and all this sort of stuff. But I never did because I felt, um, I'm not against you. I'm, 
I'm just here alongside you. So there's no chance of me ever beating you because you're so much better than me at this. I'm just curious to see how far personally that I can go with it. So I never, I, the imposter side of things never, never came for me for that. It was very, very difficult and challenging for me in lots of other ways. But in terms of the being an imposter thing, I think because I was, I was kind of comfortable in my own skin in terms of what my abilities were. But uh, mm. yeah, what, what I discovered actually was I really wasn't comfortable in my own head. That was that was <laughs> my biggest challenge was, was doing SAS. But you, but it, you got a lot out of it, didn't you? Uh, in, for you, personal experience. For me, doing SAS Who Dares Wins completely changed my life. If ever mm. there was a pivot a pivotal moment in my life and I, I do think as human beings we all have pivot moments we don't necessarily know that that's what they are at the time but we can look back and think oh my goodness that's when that's when I had a, a fork in the road and I turned left instead of right um, for me it was um, I went into it thinking well I'm just going to do this program where you you know you get shouted at a lot and you have to do lots of press ups and army people will yell at you and actually, it was transformative because um, I ended up, I had a breakdown when I came out of it, which sounds like a very weird thing to say that that's positive. But it completely was because they, the whole premise of the program is to, is to break down any barriers that you have within yourself, whether it's to keep other people out or whether it's to keep your own thoughts in, all those barriers mm. get broken down. And then you, you start again raw and that's mm -hmm. what happened to me. So when those barriers came down, um, basically I'd had years of e extremely traumatic experiences in my life, which I'd never dealt with. I had just put them to one side and thought, right, they're done now. And my life is good now. Don't think about that anymore. It was like bats coming out of a cave and wow. it was totally it was horrifying and it was awful um but i'm so grateful that i had that experience now because it forced me to look them in the face and deal with them and put them to rest and actually i have now and i feel better than i have done for well gosh decades i would say but decades that's amazing though that's so good and i think you know, you take away from it is that you everybody has to have their challenges and everybody has to feel a bit different. And then, as you say, if you have that, I mean, you don't want everyone to have a breakdown, but you do want people to look into themselves and work out where they want to go for the next part of their life. And I think a yeah. lot of people aren't that introspective. So it's amazing to hear that you were. Well, I, I say this to my kids as well. And, and my I said it to my daughter the other day um normal you know teenage girl stuff was happening and and all, all that sort of thing and I said to her right now that's finished with why do you think that happened and she didn't really know and I said well why it's happened before like I say normal teenage girl stuff what's just happened to you then was a lesson so what do you think you've learned from it and it's not, I'm not telling you off and I'm not saying you've done anything wrong, but I'm just saying there's a moment here where you can look at something and think, right, what lesson can I take from this just so that I won't do that again? Because it obviously hurt you and it didn't make you feel very good. So you don't want to keep repeating that same experience. And I think that if you are ever able to 
rather than wait for hindsight, which is what most of us do, and we look back at big traumatic events or things that have gone wrong or, or what have you and think, wow, yeah, I can see that. If you're able to step back at that moment when it's happening, then, well, one, it saves a lot of time, but also two, you, you can, it doesn't feel as bad because you realize I'm learning something now and this is why this is happening. So you can process it and look at it all slightly differently. Yeah, and I think that's amazing to hear. And I think people should hopefully listen to this. We'll, we'll use that as a as something because, as you say, you can use it for anybody, whether it's a, a teenager, whether you're in your fifties, or you just go to university. It's just it's it's something that everybody needs to do and, and think about. So my final question to you is: I've asked everybody. It, obviously, imposter is about kind of thinking of somebody else. If you could be somebody else for a day, who would it be and why? <gasps> oh my goodness. Um. <clears throat> And don't say me. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. We could do <laughs> it could be quite fun, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what would I be? Do you know what? It wouldn't be an actual other person, but I okay. would be really interested to, to swap personalities for a while. I would be really interested to know what, it, what it's like to just be able to throw yourself into you know, big, loud occasions and parties and be the life and soul and be the one dancing on a table shouting, more tequila, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. I'm really, I would love to experience that. What's a, I, I love being around people like that and I love, yeah. I love their energy and I love, I love watching it. I'm just not the person doing it. So for me, I would love to swap places with some, you know, maybe an actress in the West End stage who's an, ama who's an amazing dancer and goes to Archer Street afterwards and stands on a podium and sings and everybody just thinks she's amazing and she's not feeling shy and awkward. I would, maybe something like that. That would be great. I love that. But I'm sure <laughs> you and I, next time we see each other after all this, all this isolation, we can definitely have some shots of the tequila and I promise you I'm going to get you on the table. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. <laughs> I think we'll all be on the table. Somewhere. I think we'll all be on the table. <laughs> <laughs> or under the table. <laughs> Over oh, under through, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for this. It's been really good. That's our show for today and I hope you liked it and found it both entertaining and enlightening. If you did, please subscribe on your favourite podcast platform and while you're there, give us a five-star review just to make us feel we deserve it. Follow us on Pod People UK, Nick Eade and Andrea McLean One. Imposter Syndrome was presented by me, Nick Eade, and produced by Mike Hansen for Pod People Productions. Theme music by Mike as well. See you next time. Thank you to our sponsor, Fake Bake. Check out their amazing range of healthy self-tanning products on fakebake.com. Yes, that's fakebake.com.